Well, good morning. So glad that all of you have taken the time to be together. And thank you for those of you joining us online. Appreciate uh, that connection that we have with you there as well. Uh, this morning, as we get rolling this as the service gets rolling, I want to share, uh, last week uh, we had Devin and Manuel come forward and, and they confessed Jesus as their Lord and Savior and later that afternoon they were immersed into Christ in the North Platte River and so we want to celebrate with them in that decision and so we're going to watch those videos right now. Yeah, there's not too many times that... Okay, go watch this one. Let's praise God for that as well. I was going to say, there's not too many times where you get to watch a dog involved in the baptism process there as well. So we're excited for Devin and for Manuel, and uh, they not only... May, came into a covenant relationship with God on Sunday of last week, but they came into a covenant relationship with one another and were married on Monday, uh, so we're excited for that. And again, we're not called to make converts, but we're called to go and make what? Disciples. And so that includes continuing to help each other grow and mature, keep each other accountable keep each other involved in what's going on with the church and encourage one another. And so we want to do that for Manuel and Devin as well. And so just continue to pray for one another, lift one another up. And uh, God is mighty and he's doing awesome things within this congregation. So thank you again for being here with us this morning. I heard a, about a six-year-old little boy who uh, was restlessly struggling to listen to a rather lengthy sermon. Anybody ever been there? Amen. All right. Can I get an amen? Right. Okay. And uh, after the service, the little boy asked the question that a lot of times little church kids will ask. And, and he says, Dad, what does the preacher do the rest of the week? Anybody been there before? All right. Hallelujah. Okay. Had that same question. He said, well, son, he's a very busy man. He, he takes care of church business and he visits the sick. He counsels people. He helps people move from one location to another. Oftentimes studies the Bible. He prepares sermons. And, and guess what? Preaching in public is not an easy job. And the little boy thought about that and said, well, listening ain't too easy either. <laughs> and the truth is that listening really is not always easy, especially if the message is a difficult message to hear. And last week, uh, the title of the message was Go Tell Someone. And this morning, I'm kind of piggybacking off of that a little bit. We're going to start our new series through Colossians, The Supremacy of Christ, September 11th. And uh, we have today, and then a week from today, over Labor Day, that will not be those uh, in that series. But this today, we're talking about three essentials for reaching the lost. So again, kind of piggybacking off of last week. And so I want to go over the passage that we're going to look at today, kind of verse by verse. 
But before we get into Luke chapter 15, 1 through 10, you can turn over there, Luke 15, 1 through 10. Uh, I just want to kind of summarize a little bit what's taking place here in these verses. So if you have your Bibles, turn over to Luke 15, 1 through 10. As you look at these verses, you see two parables coming out. And, And these two parables have items that have been lost. And these items that have been lost have monetary value. In fact, uh, if you were to talk with anybody at the time that this was written, these would be things that would have quite a bit of monetary value. And even for those religious leaders that are being talked to here in these verses. And when it comes to these things that are lost, there, there would be a desire to get them back. There would be effort that would be made. They, they would want to try to find them to the point then when they did find them, there would be rejoicing that would take place. And I thought, thought about this idea, if it's true for things that are lost, because I'm sure we've all experienced that, in fact, just this last week, uh, on Monday night when I was here for the wedding, uh, I lost my key fob to my car, and of course, these newfangled vehicles they don't start with just a regular key and they don't it's not cheap to just get a regular key and so I don't have an extra key I just have the one key fob for my car and so if I can't find that I can't start the car and I can't go home fortunately there are people here that could have given me a ride but I'm like I don't I don't know what's going to happen and so we start looking and we're looking everywhere and we're discussing how when we look for something we look in all random places, you know, and praise the Lord, Paul is here, and he found it for me. Let's give him a round of applause, yeah, all right. Um, And so you think about those items that are lost in your life, and you want to really find them. You want to get them back. Shouldn't it also be the same for lost people? Shouldn't it be the same way that as we look for those who are lost, and this term lost is referring to those that are not Christians, those don't, that don't have a relationship with Jesus. In fact, we see that in the prodigal son parable, where here in just a few verses later, you, you see God desiring to have that relationship with the prodigal son, the, the one that would come home. And you can see in the story that the father says about this son who has repented and returned home in verse 32 He was lost and is found. He was lost and is found. And clearly, it's those that are spiritually lost who are represented by the lost things in these two parables this morning. And and so again, shouldn't we respond to lost people the same way that we respond to lost things? Shouldn't we show the same efforts and perseverance in searching for them? Shouldn't we be filled with joy at them being found? Will you pray with me? God, this morning we are grateful that we can come before your throne into your presence. You are mighty. You are righteous. You are worthy of our praise. You are holy. You are majestic. God, you are awesome. And so we come humbly before your throne. We come in reverent fear of who you are in our lives, God. May you be glorified as we spend time in your word. May we hear your voice speak into our lives. And may your Holy Spirit guide and direct our thoughts, convict us, and change us. In the name of Jesus, I pray. 
Amen. If you are willing and able this morning, will you stand with me as we turn to Luke chapter 15, 1 through 10. Gives you a chance to stretch your legs. If you need to go use the restroom, you can do that, but hopefully you remain. And we'll read through God's word here. Verse 5, chapter 15, verse 1 through 10 says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear him, speaking about Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me! I have found my lost sheep! I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Does she not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, She calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me! I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. You may be seated. And so as we look through these verses, I think there's three things that can kind of come out and, and teach us this morning. Things that we need for reaching the lost. Three essential things that we need for reaching the lost, which is the title of today's message. And the first thing, if you're taking notes, first thing needed for reaching the lost is compassion. Compassion. And if you know me at all, I probably put on a little bit of a front for having compassion, but that's something I struggle with. I don't know if it's the way I was raised or what. It's the typical, you know, fall down, skin your knee, rub dirt on it concept, you know. It's like, figure it out. You know, if you have issues, figure them out. And trust in God to help you figure them out. But God wants us to have compassion for those who are struggling in their faith. And, and you hear, see in these first two verses, Jesus had tax collectors and sinners gathering around him. And these are lost people who were running to Jesus instead of running away from Jesus. They weren't weren't avoiding him, ignoring him, or even hostile towards him. Verse 1 says that they were gathering around to hear him. And you wonder, why? Why were sinners so willing and so eager to listen to Jesus? Well, it certainly was not because Jesus had an easy message that tickled people's ears. That that wasn't what Jesus was about. It wasn't because Jesus compromised on sin and said that everything they were doing was okay, no big deal, you do you. No, he didn't say that. They weren't gathering around Jesus in this moment Because he was putting on some sensational show of signs and wonders with smoke and lights. That that wasn't what was taking place. And so again, the question, why did the lost 
seek out Jesus rather than run from him? I believe the answer is his compassion. His compassion for the lost. Jesus loved them and showed that love with a compassionate instead of condemning attitude. The Bible says in verse 2 that Jesus welcomes sinners and eats with them. If you're to look at that Greek word welcomes, it, it comes with this idea of receive as a friend. And how many of us receive as a friend those that are kind of on the fringes, those that maybe don't look like us, those that don't act the same way, those that we would consider sinners, even though obviously we all are that same thing. This was Jesus' attitude toward those who were lost in sin. He was willing to receive as a friend. Jesus welcomed them. and He had compassion for them, and he was accepting of them despite their sins and faults. He was a friend, not a foe. See, Jesus had an attitude that lost people were attracted to. Do you see that? Jesus had an attitude that lost people were attracted to. And I wonder if for us this morning at Paradise Valley Christian Church, do we, do we have that same kind of attitude that is open to people that are lost, that are searching for us as individuals and as a church to reach people, we are going to have to show that same love and acceptance. Again, it's this first idea of needing compassion to reach the lost. If you think about a car accident, there are different groups that show up at car accidents, right? The first group, maybe, is the, the onlookers, the bystanders, the ones that are kind of seeing what's going on, what happened. But they're not really involved in what's taking place. They're just kind of on the fringes looking in. So you have the bystanders. Then you have the police officers that show up on the scene. And they have responsibilities in their line of work to, to figure out kind of what's taking place, to investigate the accident, most likely to assign blame, and to give out appropriate warnings and punishments. And then the third group on the scene oftentimes are the paramedics. And oftentimes these are the individuals that a lot of people are welcoming. Because these are people that uh, could care less about what's, how the accident took place or whose fault it was. What they're concerned about is taking care of people. They're, they're not there to lecture about people's poor driving habits. The paramedics are there to respond to the hurt. They're there to bandage wounds and free trapped people and give words of encouragement. And so there's these three groups. One is uninvolved. One is assigning blame and assessing punishment. And one is helping the hurting. And I wonder this morning... Which group are you in when it comes to the lost? When it comes to reaching the lost and hurting, we're going to be in one of these three groups. We will either be uninvolved and, and let others do the work, or we will condemn people for their foolish behavior, saying things like, well, it's your own fault. You know, it's your own fault for the mess that you're in. If you had just been 
being in church and, and living the life that God has called you to live in His Word and reading His Bible, then, then you wouldn't be having the problems that you're having. Or we'll be focused on helping those who are lost and hurting. And I hope that we as a, a congregation at PV are that third group that care about the lost that are hurting and struggling. And I think some Christians respond to the lost the same way that these Pharisees in these verses respond. These Pharisees, they, they didn't care about what was going on in the lives of these quote-unquote sinners. All, all they cared about was the fact that Jesus was taking care of them. They were more interested in condemning and criticizing these sinners than showing them compassion. And sadly, the same attitude is sometimes seen in the modern conservative church, which is who we are. We, we oftentimes look at people and, and we look at the world and, and we rightfully are, can be upset about the current state of our government or, or moral values or where abortion is in our culture or the homosexual agenda or the immoral entertainment in society today, among a lot of other things. And, it, and it's fine and appropriate to be concerned about these things, these issues. But we must be careful. Careful that our concern about these issues does not turn into condemnation toward the lost. The lost have never flocked to hear those who were condemning. And they never will listen to us if we have that same attitude. And so the first thing needed to reaching for reaching the lost is this idea of compassion. The second thing needed for reaching the lost is effort. If you look at verses 3 through 5 of chapter 15, it says, Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. And I'm sure that I can't be the only one in this room this morning or online that has ever done this. But I remember, and it's not a clear memory. I, my wife helped me out with all of my memories, just so you guys know. Um, but this, I remember early on in my parenting life when we only had one child, and her name is Bailey. She's now 19 years old, and uh, she was around two old so that meant I was probably around 25 real mature at 25 years old trying to take care of a two-year-old and so we go to Walmart to do some grocery shopping and uh, as we head it there Autumn does went to the groceries and I you know I the mature responsible one will watch our two-year-old child and so I'm a little bit more of a laid-back parent uh, and not so much of a helicopter parent and so I'm sitting on the bench and I'm letting Burke or not Berkeley, she's two, Bailey, who was two at the time, just kind of toddle around, you know, she's just kind of checking things out, and I'm watching her, I'm a good dad, all right, okay, and, and so I'm taking, taking care of my child, and, and I'm watching her, and everything's going really smoothly until the moment that I look away at something for just a little too long, 
And I look back, and Bailey's not there anymore. But once again, I'm pretty calm, cool, collective. I'm thinking uh, she can't have gone too far. She's only got two little short legs, you know. And so I start looking through the clothes, trying to find her. And uh, I look for a little while, and I, I'm not finding her. I'm calling her name, and I'm looking underneath, and there's no little feet under there, and no little legs. And I'm, I'm starting to kind of actually get worried, you know. I'm starting to get frantic because your mind goes to that place where, like, what happened? What, 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 what could have gone wrong? What, what if someone came by and I took, you know, and, and all these terrible things are going through my mind. And as I'm starting to frantically look for Bailey, guess who shows up on the scene? Autumn. Autumn. No, not with Bailey, you know. She's wondering where Bailey is. And uh, I tell her what's taking place, and she... She has this memory, she, she says, you know, mama bear, she says, find my baby, all right? And it wasn't even that calm, you know, it was in some other person's voice that I never had heard come out of Autumn's mouth, you know, find my baby. <laughs> and as our hearts are racing and we're frantically looking, our love for Bailey compelled us to do whatever it took to find her. To, to reach through the clothes racks and look and, and call her name out and, and do everything that we could possibly do. At no point in the search did I say, well, well, we lost that one, but I'm sure, I'm sure we're going to have seven more, right? At, at no point did I say that in my mind. Because that one child mattered. That one child matters. She mattered enough to give every effort that we could possibly give to finding her. And eventually, what seemed to be like an eternity, which was only just a few minutes, we did find her in the middle. I don't know if they still have these at Walmart or not. I don't go to the clothes section very often. But, you know, the round rack, and then they had the metal frame in the middle. And so she was standing on the metal frame, so you couldn't look under and see her feet. And she's just hiding in there, <laughs> just waiting for us to frantically find her. And here's the point. It took effort. It took effort to find Bailey. And it will take the same kind of diligent seeking for us to reach the lost. In these two parables, Jesus emphasizes the effort that went into finding the lost. In the parable of the lost sheep, Jesus said that the shepherd would Leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep. In the parable of the lost coin, says the woman lights a lamp, sweeps the whole house, and searches carefully for the lost coin, according to verse 8. And in both of these cases, the thing that was lost had to be sought after with great effort. There had to be effort made. The shepherd did not just wait, oh, I'll just wait to see if the, the sheep shows up and wanders in. And the woman did not wait for the lost coin to just turn up. In our Christian lives and in the church, it sometimes seems that we do the opposite, don't we? We, we tend to just wait for the lost to come to us. We're passive rather than active. We're waiting for people to come to Christ instead of putting effort into bringing them to Christ. 
And I know in my own life that I've been just as guilty. I, I want to see more people come to know Jesus. I, I want to know that people that I pass in the grocery store or even just on the highway, those are people that we'll eventually see in heaven. I want as many people to know Jesus and to serve Jesus with their lives as possible, but am I willing to go out and search for the lost with great effort? See, this has to change if we're going to reach the lost like Jesus did. And this again, the this, this second thing that's needed for reaching the lost is effort. And so how do we practically practice this principle. What do you and I need to do in order to be following Jesus' instructions about giving effort to reaching the lost? And I think there's lots of different things, but here's a few. The first is a significant part of our prayers should be for the lost. We got to get away from God, please help me make it through the day and oh, help me deal with so and so at work and all about us, but are we praying for those who we know don't have a relationship with Jesus? And I would go as far to challenge us, including myself, to write three people's names down on a, on a maybe your notes in your phone, maybe on an index card, maybe on a sticky note. Write three names of people that you know don't have a relationship with Jesus just by the fruit from their life. I'm not causing asking you to judge them. I'm just saying, by the fruit from their lives, do they know Jesus in a, in a way that is changing them? And so spend time praying for that individual. Taking the, the time to lift them up before the throne room of God. Asking God to give you opportunities to just share what He has done in your life. And, and that's the simple message from last week. Go tell someone. Don't make it harder than it is. You don't have to know, you know a certain track that you need to hand out to someone or know all the right answers when you're talking to someone about God. You just share with them the truth about what He's done in your life. And so spend time in prayer for three people this coming week, the next month, the next six months, the next year however long it takes to pray for those individuals to see them come to know Jesus. The second thing is make every effort. Making every effort means that a significant part of the ministries of Paradise Valley Christian Church should be directed towards reaching the lost. And I know there's a balance between discipling those who have already made decisions to become Christians Nevertheless, that doesn't give us an excuse to just say, well, we got to worry about ourselves. We got to focus on us. No, we got to do the things that God is calling us to do as we look out into our community and those who have never had an opportunity to know Jesus. We have to make that extra effort in our ministries to reach out. And third, making every effort to reach the lost means that we must be willing to make outreach a significant part of our personal and church spending, which I believe, if you've looked at our finances, we do a good job with that, but I also think we can always improve. Where am I at personally when it comes to spending money to reach out? Uh, I've, I've heard of different churches that do some different creative things. I am not creative. If you are creative, help me out. Help us out. We need you. Uh, just recently, I think Outpost 
and I might be wrong on all the details, but I think Outpost there in Douglas, they paid like $350 or $400 to anybody that came to a certain coffee shop there in Douglas. Outpost paid for their coffee ahead of time. They could just go there and get a free coffee because of what Outpost was doing. It's not the first time I've heard of that. I've heard of other churches doing that. But just thinking about how do we spend our money to reach out and try to be Jesus to other people. And it's important for us as a church to reach out. I thought it was awesome to see the involvement with our community outreach. Um, But it, it also takes you on an individual level. And the people that you know and the people that you work with and the people that love you and you love them, having tough conversations at times that might cause them to think about where did we all come from? What are we doing on this earth? Where do we go when we leave this place? And so you have an important role individually to impact the people around you. And so we need to have compassion. We need to have effort being made. And the third thing needed to reach the lost is persistence. If you look at verse 4 and verse 8, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? Until he finds it, there's persistence. Verse 8, or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Does she not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until, what does it say? She finds it. There's persistence in both of these cases. Jesus notes specifically that the person continued seeking after the lost item until he or she found it. In other words, Jesus seems to be pointing out that persistence was a needed quality for success. You don't just give up. And that's hard sometimes because as human nature, we just like, I've tried and it's failed and they just keep rejecting me and nothing that I seem to do or say makes a difference. And yet if you've done any of the studies, not you, but if you've read any of the studies or seen any of the surveys, it takes anywhere from like, 7 to 14 times, maybe even 40 times of hearing the gospel message before someone is willing to accept it. I've heard illustrations used of grapes in a vineyard that it takes from the time that a vineyard is planted to the time of the first harvest of those grapevines. It takes seven years. Can you imagine that? Planting a vineyard and it taking seven years before you actually finally see some fruit from that. And that's the reality, though, when it comes to us reaching the lost. It takes persistence. Uh, my college professor, Dr. Parrott, him and his wife, they tell a story of, of how they prayed for a family friend for 40 years that that person would come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, for 40 years prayed for them. And after 40 years, he finally surrendered his life over to Jesus. Would you say that their prayers were worth the 40 years? For sure. One more person not spending eternity in hell, but spending it in heaven. If a sheep or a coin was valuable enough to persistently search for it, then people people that we come in contact with who are spiritually lost 
are way too valuable to give up on. Following an exhilarating performance at New York's Carnegie Hall, celebrated classical cellist Yo-Yo Ma went home, slept, and awoke the next day exhausted and feeling rushed. And he called for a cab to take him to a hotel on the other side of Manhattan and placed his cello, which was a handcrafted in Vienna in 1733 and valued at $2.5 million cello, he placed it in the trunk of the taxi. And when he reached his destination, he paid the driver but forgot to get his cello out of the trunk. Well, once the taxi driver had disappeared, Ma realized what he had done. And he began to, uh, his desperate search for the missing instrument. And fortunately, he had the receipt of the, the cabbie's ID number. And after searching all day, the taxi was located in a garage in Queens with the priceless cello still in the trunk. And Ma's smile could not be contained as he spoke to reporters about it. And here's the point. Yo-Yo Ma did not quit, but persisted because what was lost was too valuable to give up on. And the spiritually lost are too valuable for us to give up on, to just quit, to say, ah, oh, there's no hope. No, we have to be willing to be persistent. And so again, the third thing needed to reach the lost is persistence. And as you look at these last verses of both of these parables, you see something that takes place. And it's this rejoicing that happens when just one more person comes to Jesus. And that, that picture in my mind is just an awesome picture to think about how when one more person surrenders their life to Jesus, there's this huge party in heaven. The angels are rejoicing. There should be joy in our lives for those who we think potentially could surrender their lives over to Jesus. And so as the praise team comes this morning, the religious leaders of this day that this was written in, they were very indifferent towards sinners. In fact, they were at a point where they were very you know, opposed to them coming to Jesus. And, and Jesus uses these two parables to illustrate that their take on this was wrong. The way they perceived the lost, it was wrong. They should be excited about the lost coming to Jesus. And they should be joyful and celebrating. And Jesus points out how joyfully they would have been if they find this lost sheep or this lost coin, certainly then they should also be joyous instead of being angered at the lost coming to Jesus. And so where are we at this morning? See, again, Jesus points out the one thing that matters the most is one more person coming into relationship with him. That, that the lost matters so much to God 
that they were willing to leave the 99, that when that one was found, even just one more, all heaven rejoices. And I just think about this concept of how there's more joy over one sinner coming to Jesus than over 99 people being right where they're supposed to be with God. And that, that doesn't always click in my brain. Like, in my mind, I'm thinking 99, that's good, that's awesome, that's oh, one lost, oh well. But the truth is, he cares about that one so much more than the 99 that are where they're supposed to be with God. And if lost people matter that much to God, shouldn't they matter that much to us? Shouldn't we care about where they're going to spend eternity? Shouldn't we be willing to give everything needed in order to reach the lost? And I pray that our unanimous answer is yes, amen. We need to be doing everything that we can do to reach those that need an opportunity to come to Jesus. And, and so maybe this morning you fall into that category of being lost. Another random this week, Brady and Autumn went to the store, 11 years old. I guess uh, Brady got lost, essentially. He, he, he was no longer with Autumn and pretty soon over the loudspeaker. Uh, Autumn, your son Brady, is at the counter. Anybody experienced that before? Probably. Some of you this morning, God's saying, come home. Come to the service desk. You're lost. I, I want to find you. Would you be willing to be found this morning? It's your choice. you got to make that decision on your own. And part of our mission statement here at PV is to seek that's the first thing that we're trying to seek. Are we doing what we say our mission is all about? We're looking for those who need to be reconciled back to God. And if that's you this morning, would you come out of hiding? Someone told me on the way out this morning that they went. That he thought he was, as a kid, hiding, playing hide-and-seek with his mom. She didn't know that they were playing hide-and-seek. He went into her closet, got under some clothes. He fell asleep. He told me on the way out, he said, when I woke up, ugh, I was rubbing my eyes and I was looking around and the, the police were all over the house. <laughs> There's sometimes that we kind of fall asleep spiritually. We don't want to be found. I pray this morning you want to be found by our Father in heaven that wants to wrap his arms around you and love you unconditionally. And he wants to celebrate with the angels in heaven about one more person coming home. If that's you this morning, if that's a decision you need to make, will you come as we sing? Will you stand with us?